This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. There is over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. The net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're going to have to take into consideration CO2 emissions. Hi, and welcome back to Net Zero Carbon, the show at Freight Waves where we deep dive on decarbonization with a special focus on freight fuels and energy. I'm Tyler Cole, and today I'm joined by Joe Shefchik, Vice President of Business Development at Paper Transport. Joe, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. I'm excited for this one because this is one that goes way back for me. Um, actually, some of the things you guys are doing um, as far as natural gas trucking and alternative fuels are things that really started my journey towards sustainability and supply chains over a decade ago. So I'm really excited to deep dive into it with you because you guys have been doing it for that long as well. Let's start with a brief intro. Um, who is Joe? What's the Joe story? And what's the paper transport story? Sure. Thank you. Um, so I've been with paper transport for 16 years and you know, really worked through the organization from, from ops roles to you know, sales now. Um, it's really seen the organization grow a lot. You know, when I joined 16 years ago, we were about 200 trucks. Um, today, we're about 1,000. Um, you know, so we're a, we're a dry truckload carrier um, focused on dedicated fleets and, and intermodal. Um, and, you know, that dedicated fleet approach you know, really allows us to go in and explore, you know, how to really help customers. You know, it creates really deep partnerships. And, and that's really the story of paper transport. Our tagline is what drives you. And I mean, that's what we seek to do uh, with our customers, with our drivers um, to create joint value. Excellent. And can you break that down a little bit for us? So if it's a thousand trucks, you guys are headquartered in Green Bay, if I'm not mistaken. Where is the geographic kind of distribution of the fleet? Sure. Yeah. So we're headquartered in Green Bay, Wisconsin, you know, largely operating, let's say, east of the Rockies. Um, and you know, if you think about a line from Minneapolis down to Miami, um, you know, that's where the, the real density is. Um, but a lot of the key freight uh, cities, you know, within that scope, right? So Dallas, St. Louis, Columbus, um, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, um, Jacksonville, Central Florida, Atlanta. So that, that's where we're at. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for that. I want to dig into, obviously I'm biased, but the sustainability focus side of what you guys do. We know um, a little bit about, I've just mentioned it, some of the natural gas trucking initiatives, but can you tell me what Paper Transport thinks about when it's developing and offering sustainability to its customers? Sure, you know, so I think key for us, you know, especially within this natural gas journey, you know, has been that customer focus and creating differentiation. You know, when you're a dry truckload carrier, um, there's literally over 100,000 competitors in the space. Um, you know, so it's, the story has been about differentiation for us. And, you know, as you mentioned, a, a relatively long story. Uh, we've been running natural gas power trucks since, 2010. So we've got 12 years of experience in this, and, and we can say it definitively works. Um, you know, so so that's one. You know, let, let's create a system that works. And when we think about sustainability for customers, you know, 
I think a lot of trucking companies like to think about you know fuel mileage and, and eliminating empty miles, and, and and that is a good path to decarbonize. You know, but I think our perspective on that is that's that's trucking 101, right? You know, focused on fuel mileage and eliminating that cost um, and eliminating the cost of empty miles. That that's trucking 101. You know, so so we don't really see that as differentiation. Uh, but the natural gas has really been a differentiator for us. You know, we're one of few carriers in the country uh, running trucks on natural gas. And that was a nice step uh, 12 years ago. And, you know, where we've gone recently um, is with renewable natural gas. Um, So there you're talking about natural gas that can be have a negative carbon intensity. Um, And that's really playing well uh, with our customers and and critically important to a, a zero carbon future. Absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned some of those other efforts to decarbonize because there, there's a million, right? We've got lots of levers to pull. <clears throat> Everybody's going to play a different role in a sustainable supply chain. And the one you guys have chosen is one that you now have over a decade of experience with, and it continues to change. So I'm glad you kind of beat me to the next question, which is how has that natural gas trucking evolved over the last decade? And it really is around RNG. So when you're you know, trying to explain that to a customer, uh, what is RNG? How do we get it? What are the benefits of it? What's that? What's that story like when you're telling that to a customer? Sure. You know, so I, honestly, the first thing with a customer is to debunk some of the myths uh, and the challenges that we've gone through, you know, over the course of the last 12 years. And I like to say we've created some of those myths, right, just because of our, our experience and, and history with it. And you know, we've come from a place where you know, the trucks were very challenged, right? They, they, didn't, they didn't run very well. There were a lot of maintenance problems. Um, you know, fuel availability or, you know, the network of fuel availability was was challenged. And a lot of those hurdles have been crossed, right? Yeah, so today, you know, the, the trucks operate as well as diesel trucks and the fuel infrastructure is out there where you can run these trucks almost anywhere uh, in the country. And so that's kind of step one, you know, debunking those, those myths that we helped cr- to create um, and to say that, hey, this can be done and it can be done now. Um, you know, I think step two is this isn't a green initiative that you need to go spend a lot of money on. This is a green initiative that from a cost basis perspective um, is competitive with diesel. Uh, and depending upon where that diesel price is, it, it can be um, a cost improvement uh, over diesel. Um, and either way, you know, the swing from pluses and minuses, you're talking single digits um, in the plus and minus on the cost basis. And so I think that's an important thing, because right? as soon as you start talking about alternative energy and um, doing something different, you know, in, in the customer's mind, frequently they're, they're going to, okay, I'm going to pay for this somehow. Right? You know, and then I think, you know, lastly, it is, you know, how significant uh, of an improvement on the carbon intensity side um, that this can be. Um, and when you talk about uh, natural gas that's uh, generated from dairy farms, um, it's negative and considerably negative. Uh, from a carbon intensity perspective. And when you talk about RNG from a landfill, um, it's less than half of the carbon intensity of diesel. So so that's what we're talking about, kind of a three-step process. Debunk the myths, uh, the, the the cost is competitive, and then you know here's what it really can deliver to, to their targeted carbon. Thanks for breaking that down. I love that. And I love that customers have the option to plug in wherever they are on their own journey. If they're just looking for someone to help them um, 
start a sustainable initiative or if they're trying to go upstream and buy their own gas, like this solution plays with any of those customers in their, in their own journey. And it's interesting to hear you talk about the progression to where we're at now, where 10 years ago when y'all started, those myths that were being debunked now were actually real problems, like the equipment performance, the networking availability. And we've, by and large, worked our way through that over what probably feels like a long decade to y'all, but in reality is not, I mean, it goes quick, right? So I would love to hear you talk through since you've been there for this whole journey, like, is it a much easier sell now? I got to imagine customers are coming to you guys all the time. And in fact, you guys, I know, just got an award from the Norfolk Southern as part of their sustainability partnership. So talk a little bit about like just the customer experience and, and how you guys are getting recognized and whether there's just a backlog for you and you can't grow fast enough. Sure. I mean, I, I'd say that's not where we are yet. Right. Um, you know, I think that shippers, you know, they they tend to buy transportation in, in one way. Um, and you know, frankly, they're they're very cost sensitive, um, and you know they're very market sensitive, right? They they want to be market relative, um, and and that's that can be one of the challenges with this, right? Because when we look at a natural gas powered asset, um, you know, it's a five year term, you know, that, that that we're thinking about that asset, and you know we need to be thinking about. How does this play over those five years? And frankly, it can be up and down um, over those five years. Um, so it, it's not necessarily a slam dunk uh, to to a transportation purchaser. Um, you know, so it's finding the right people within the shippers organization uh, to be able to move the project forward. I guess sobering to hear, but I'm excited that I think that's changing. Um, and you're right; it is a the younger that our transportation managers get at a lot of these organizations. There's no stopping this kind of solution in my mind. I don't know if you've seen a correlation between the age of the purchaser and and what the organization cares about, but um, I'm hopeful we're going to continue to see an uptrend there. Yeah, I think what's what's demanded, Tyler, is uh, that there's leadership direction, you know, from from at the shipper, you know, and and once you know organizations come out and make bold statements about where they intend to be um, ten years from now in sustainability, um, it becomes a lot easier, right? And, and then you know those those folks have identified leaders within their organization that are going to lead on sustainability. Um, and, you know, then that's where we can start having the conversation. Great point. And, and it really does matter if they've made that commitment, how they're now starting to think about operationalizing their, their roadmap. Do you get a sense, how, how hard is it for you to explain the carbon benefits of RNG to customers? I mean, it, it I'm biased because I've worked both in the natural gas and the carbon trading field and been a truck operator. So I get it. But if you're trying to explain, you know, a negative 400 CO2E equivalent of RNG versus landfill versus diesel, like what's the easiest way you found to break that down for a customer? Sure. You know, I think right now there's a lot of good information out there specifically from uh, CARB, California Air Resource Board. Uh, it, it's a straightforward chart you know, that, that demonstrates the value. So that's one side, right? We, we've got uh, tools coming from people, you know, that can help demonstrate that value. You know, the second piece is, you know, we're getting a lot of support, you know, from our fuel vendors, you know, that can help to support on the really specific nature of the carbon intensity of the fuel. Um, and you know, when customers have made that commitment um, on sustainability, you know, there's typically very detailed approaches that they're taking to that measurement, and there's experts on their side. Um, you know, so we're we're aligning the experts at our fuel provider, um, you know, along with the experts at our customers to to communicate those benefits. Perfect. Are you having to to come up with 
unique or new ways to kind of exchange carbon data with your customers? Because I've seen a lot of that happening where as we try to standardize reporting and try to figure out how to get actual fuel usage and therefore carbon data, you know, there's a variety of approaches to try and get that data from suppliers. And it's really hard because, as you said, there's hundreds of thousands of trucking companies out there, few of whom are willing to share fuel data <laughs> for, for understandable reasons. How are you seeing that request from shippers come? Are shippers asking um, more granular data on fuel and emissions or, or what are you guys seeing in the market right now and where do you think it's going to go? Regarding the measurement of, of carbon emissions, um, you know, we've worked you know, to provide that detail in, in various ways over time. You know, I don't know, you know that it's struck customers right ever you know, until they create the framework um, within their organization you know, to, to state exactly what they're looking for. And that goes you know, right back to the really granular level of you know, where did this fuel come from? What is its carbon intensity? Um, you know, that's the type of reporting, you know, that we're seeing customers ask for um, and demand and I think then use in their organizations. You know, some of those other uh, mechanisms that we've worked to share carbon over time, I, frankly, I don't know how effective they were um, at creating value within the customer's organization. Sure. Do you see that changing? Um, I would think so. Right. You know, but I think, you know, the, the customers that care tend to be really large organizations and, you know, to create communication, you know, and, and value within a really large organization, you know, there needs to be a really streamlined process. Um, and you know, I think that's where that uh, leadership from shippers is critical uh, to being able to move this ball forward. Well, what a great opportunity for you and the PTI organization, right, to be able to educate customers along that journey and kind of show them what's meaningful in the fuel supply chain. Because few people forget, yeah, we got we got emissions at tailpipe and that's important and being targeted in many ways. But the further upstream you go, right, especially on a dairy farm solution, you know, it's difficult to say, hey, here's the difference between methane's potential and what CO2 is and why we are now, you know, go through the life cycle of the fuel. It can be complicated. And you guys have a decade of experience in this. So what a great opportunity to be able to kind of shepherd your customers along in their own journey. Talk to me a little bit about ways Paper Transport has done that. Is it through one-on-one? -on -one? Do you guys work with any, um, you know, roundtable associations, groups to try and kind of educate the customers along in this journey? You know, I think, frankly, we have not been very effective um, communicators of, about our RNG journey and our, our natural gas journey. Um, you know, we like to say that we're the best kept secret, uh, unfortunately. Um, and I, I think that that's, you know, we're certainly looking to change that, right? We, we, we understand it's a, strong differentiator for us. It's an important step um, in sustainability. And I think the more noise we can create um, and create jointly with, you know, through opportunities like this and, and with our customers, um, it's important for the entire industry. Um, you know, so I'd say that's one piece, you know, on the broad communication side, you know, we can improve and do better and it's important for the industry, you know, but change over time, you know, I've certainly seen come from one-on-one -on -one conversations. Right? The, the ability to get connected with leaders and organizations—that's that's what I'm seeing change happen. Awesome. Let's get a little wonky for a minute. Talk to me about the actual trucks, because when I remember running, you know, we had a—I think it was a Cummins ISG 12 liter that we were trying to make work in a close to scale-out payload capacity. It was really hard. But we've got some new engine models and makes coming out, right? I think the 
that JV is now gone. Cummins has a 15 liter coming out. Can you talk a little bit about the technology on the truck side and what's coming and what's available now? Yeah, so I think available now, it's it's actually the same engine. There's a lot of improvements uh, in that space. You know, it was a, a piston issue that was causing a lot of the maintenance issues. Um, you know, so it's the same engine you know, with, with a lot of improvements right now. So we're, we're seeing a lot better uh, maintenance results you know, with that engine. Um, you know, in terms of you know, the actual weight of the truck, you know, we didn't experience a lot of the weight issues, you know, seen across other folks, you know, that were using natural gas. Uh, it could be because the, the overall spec of our truck was relatively light to begin with. And so adding you know, some weight with the natural gas was, was not a major issue uh, for us. And I think, you know, you're, you're right on, you know, when you look forward, you know, a, a couple of years, you know, there will be a 15 liter uh, natural gas engine. Um, and, you know, Cummins is intending for that engine to be fuel agnostic. Um, in, in my mind, that that's a really important step, right? Because it says that this is an engine that they're planning for diesel, they're planning for hydrogen, they're planning for, for natural gas. And, you know, that says they're investing in it, right? You know, when I think about the long-term, you know, is this a sustainable product? You know, it's critical that, that all the players in the ecosystem are investing. Um, and clearly, at least on the engine side, uh, there is that investment. So it's good, great to see. Absolutely. We know that um, we're going to have combustion engines around for a long time. And there's lots of different ways to try and decarbonize that. Uh, we cannot wait for the EV supply chain to be built up. We're decades away at scale. Uh, and probably even then, only in certain applications or regions. So I love that fleets and, and really engine manufacturers and OEMs, everybody's, as you say, continuing to advance the technology because we need it. So um, that's a great call out. Let's get even slightly slightly more wonky and talk about the fueling and the fueling infrastructure. Do you guys own stations? Do you guys have partnerships where you're you know on long-term purchase agreements? How do you think about procuring the fuel? Yeah, so back 12 years ago, you know, that owning the station was a step that we took. Um, you know, it was necessary at that point, you know, that the partnership uh, from fuel providers and, and trucking providers like ourselves was critical to make things happen, right? The, the stations didn't get built uh, until we went forth and, and committed enough gallons to, to make it financially work for the fuel provider. Um, the next step in that journey was uh, long-term contracts and, and, and volume commitments. Um, you know, I think we're past that at this point. You know, we, we're not making really long-term uh, commitments and, and long-term volume contracts on, on the fuel side at this point. You know, the, the infrastructure is built out to a point where, especially if you're in a freight hub, um, if, you, if you do a little bit of research, you know, there are a handful of large um, CNG providers. Um, and you know, with their infrastructure, we're, we're able to fuel our trucks for the most part. Um, you know, it becomes a very detailed conversation around, you know, then how do we get renewable natural gas um, at that station as opposed to just um, compressed natural gas. So, so we're certainly, it's not zero effort um, in that space, but, you know, through some effort working with fuel providers, we, we can make that happen without doing the upfront investment on our side. Perfect. Thank you for that. Where could we find these trucks today? So are they available in every market or which hubs do you guys have? You said it's how many total natural gas trucks out of the thousand truck fleet now? Sure. So we've, we've got 85 natural gas powered trucks today. Um, you know, from a market perspective, we're, we're in Wisconsin with them. Um, just because that's home base for us, it, it works well. Uh, we've got a number of them uh, in the St. Louis market. Um, 
in those, you know, both in Wisconsin and in St. Louis, they're operating regionally you know, on about a 350 mile length of haul. Um, and we've also got a handful of trucks down in Florida uh, that are running on natural gas. Awesome. And where do you see that going? Do you see that continuing to scale up and ramp over the next five years or so? You know, from my perspective, this is a no brainer uh, for a shipper that wants a low carbon future. Um, you know, so I would like to say yes, right, that there, this really ramps up for us and we've got a lot more trucks and, you know, we're looking at a footprint in the Northeast, you know, we're working with a couple of shippers up there, you know, where we would build some, build out the density um, around Harrisburg and, and New Jersey. Um, you know, but I think, you know, kind of back to the previous question, um, you know, it's a long-term commitment when you buy one of these trucks. You know, so you, you need a partnership with a shipper that has a long-term vision around where they want to go. Absolutely. And important to hear that it's customer driven. I think that's one of the big takeaways for our listeners, right? Is as customer, it's a pull solution. The fleets will bring to the customers what they're demanding and willing to pay for. Um, and this is a great opportunity to continue to see that scale. But the flip side of that coin is regulation, right? And we know in certain markets that the thumb is potentially on the scale towards electrification and ZEVs, right, as that's coming. When you look towards 2040 and you're talking about New Jersey, like states that have clean truck regulations that are pending, how do you guys balance the long-term investment in new truck technology with the combustion vehicle versus where you see some of these regulations go? Like what's the, what's the balancing act you have to walk there? Sure. You know, so I don't know that I've got a great view on, you know, the regulation you know, within New Jersey or California. Um, you know, I think our view uh, on electrification in Class 8 trucks is that, you know, that's a story that's a long way out you know, and, and may not ever be applicable um, to a 350-mile length of haul, right? So I, I think that electrification in that space is, is extremely challenging. You know, so then you start talking about, you are talking about a 2040 solution you know, in, in a hydrogen truck, right? So it's, it's a very long way out. You know, now, what I will say regarding regulation um, is that that's one of the mechanisms to make the economics work, right? So um, these RNG solutions, the RNG production, you know, is driven by regulation that you know, both parties in Congress have supported. You know, so I think that it, it's got a very long-term future in that you know, it's not a political football um, that's getting batted back and forth. You know, so it creates a long-term sustainable economic future for, for RNG. That's a great point. And, and maybe an interesting twist to that is something they just announced. The EPA revised their biofuel standard and is creating a pathway for RNG that goes into electrification to generate some credits as well, which is a whole nother issue and really weird. But um, I think we can all agree that, that it will continue to change and we will continue to incent new lower carbon ways of transporting goods. And I'm, I'm just pumped that you guys have been a leader in this space for so long, that you guys are continuing to move the ball down the field um, and make progress. I got to ask personally, though, Joe, I ask all the guests that come on, you know, why, why is this important to you? Why does sustainability in supply chain specifically matter to, to your day to day? You know, I think if we circle back to the question as to what drives you, um, my answer would be um, solving hard problems. For, so for me, I love to solve hard problems. Uh, sustainability matters to me, right? And you know, this is a problem you know, that we're making traction on, paper transport's making traction on, you know, that not a lot of carriers are. Um, so love solving hard problems, love solving it uh, in a way that other people are not solving it. And so frankly, that 
that's what drives me, you know, around this issue is, is that it's, we're out there creating value for customers um, in, a, in a way that other people are not and, and solving a really hard problem. I love that answer. And I love your tying it back to the mission and tagline of what drives you. So thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for all the progress you guys have made. Look forward to getting you back on again soon and just seeing where the future takes you and paper transport.